0: What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to fifty dollars of your first deposit. To so go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's ThriveFantasy.com promo code SS Network. Like the Oakland A's? Are you a fan of the Golden Knights? Do you love the Los Angeles Chargers? Well, then, my friend, you're in the right place. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your host, Jake the Snake silver brought to you by the spotlight sports network
1: well all right ladies and gentlemen it is that time again on a saturday afternoon this is the snake sports talk show wherever and however you may be watching and listening today we're live on Facebook, live, also on YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, and also on Twitch in the 702. Appreciate all of you guys jumping on by. By the way, like, subscribe, and hit the bell button for all latest notifications on all future shows of the Snake Sports Talk Show here on the Spotlights Sports Network. Oh, my apologies. Speaking so much, I'm just excited for today. I got a lot to really kind of get off of my chest here, and... Um, There's so much rumor buzzes. And by the way, you know, I have a lot to talk about. I mean, a lot of people have been random raving to me about college football. I've already put an asterisk in this year. It's just is what it is. It truly is what it is. And that's just where I I stand with it. So let me just shift over and talk about this. So we're getting all the latest rumor buzzes and so much more and James Harden and all. Man, what is he going to be a rocket or what's going to happen? Well, everybody's just been random raving about this. So, we've narrowed it down with two teams last time. It was going to be the Brooklyn Nets or it was going to be the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, all I'm hearing on rumor buzzes is that there could be a potential possibility that the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat now are on the list of places James Harden wants to play at. And that's where we stand. Let me just explain to you right now why I think those two destinations are not going to be a fit for James Harden. What's going on, Dosa Dion? What's going on, Tony Jones? What's going on, guys? Appreciate you guys coming on. Um, There's just... I just think Houston's in a world of implosion because first and foremost, Russell Westbrook, he's now in Washington. They go and trade for for John wall. That was not a really good trade. John wall. The only thing that you're getting out of him is, is he going to stay healthy? He could put up points. He's a good player, but most of the time he's just been injury prone and Houston's not going to get anything else back from it. So right now, they're just in a state of implosion. And this was all starting when they acquired Russell Westbrook. And we and I knew it. Because what did they lose after the entire trade? They lost Chris Paul, they lost Daryl Morey, and they lost Clint Capella. Those are the only ones. Um, I'll also get into to Paul George's contract here in, in just a moment as well. Um, James Harden should go to the Clippers. That would be interesting, but I don't know. I mean, it it could be a potential possibility, and who knows? This might actually shape up the Clippers, but here's why I don't think Milwaukee and Miami would be the perfect destinations for James Harden. Let's start with Milwaukee. First and foremost, everybody should know that Milwaukee is not a free agent destination. It's not. Sure, they have Giannis and they got Chris Middleton, and they got a bunch of players. But have we really seen some of the free agents rant and rave saying, oh, I want to go to Milwaukee. They got a lot of good pieces. They're, they're a great team. There may have only been about a couple, but really in reality, um, what's going on, Key in the Building, one of my good colleagues here on the Spotlight Sports Network. Appreciate you jumping on. Iverson Vlogs, what's happening? So the thing about Milwaukee is and I've been saying this over and over again, the reason they still have a franchise is because of Giannis. You guys remember the rumor buzzes when it was a possibility an NBA team, whichever it was, anonymously, was going to move from where they are and move to potentially Las Vegas. And I would have been fine with that because think about what Vegas has done over the years. We have a hockey team. We have a football team, a professional NFL team. We have women's basketball. We have soccer. And right now, Vegas is becoming the map for a celebrity, if not superstar destination. We know Los Angeles right now, and everybody is all moving out west because it's competitive in the west now. LeBron's in Los Angeles. You got Steph Curry up north, up in San Francisco with the uh, Golden State Warriors. They have superstars. Milwaukee the only thing that I can say you can rant and rave about is just their breweries. Breweries and cheese. And then sometimes Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But the Bucks, they're only a franchise for the moment. As long as Giannis is there, that's all the franchise has. And they lean on him for so much. Chris Middleton, I like the kid but he's not a capable number two. I think he's more of a three than anything else. And Giannis needs to have a capable number two in order for this thing to work for my, for Milwaukee to win a championship. And James Harden, I don't think is going to fit the bill because what, what you're going to have now is you're going to have tensions in the room. You're going to have tensions on the court because Giannis, he's Greek freak. He's a superstar. You know, he's a guy that you got to get the ball in his hands. James Harden, he usually always has to have the ball in his hands. He wants to be the superstar. He wants to be the rock star, man. But that's not going to happen. You're taking away the stardom of one player, and you're shifting it over to the other, and it's a constant mix around. I don't think that's going to work properly in Milwaukee. Listen, you could talk about financials as well because we know that prior to it, financially, can they really afford James Harden? I don't think so. I'm not saying they're not a good team. But when you look at when you look at the market and you look at where Milwaukee stands on it, Milwaukee's not a free agent frenzy destination. It's not. And it's being respectful. You know, and I love Giannis. I like Chris Middleton and I like a couple of the players they got, but that's the way that I stand with it. Now let's look at Miami. Okay, Miami, South Beach. Great, great destination. There's no problems there. But let me just tell you this. This team was fresh off of a finals appearance and unfortunately had lost to LeBron and the Lakers. But Jimmy Butler has definitely gained my respect because of a guy who works hard, who's boosted a young team. Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder. They have a bunch of interesting players and i think miami's definitely a team to watch coming into this next season now that we have preseason um but if you send a guy like james harden there here's what's interesting jimmy butler's been through this road okay chicago in his development years was a very competitive player natural scorer and is really good he's a real good defender too and the problem is That Chicago just could not put the right pieces around him. And Chicago then had to reshape. They had to reshape. Jimmy Butler then wanted out of Chicago. So instead, goes to Minnesota. And then he reunites with his old coach, Tom Thibodeau. And he's playing with guys like Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague. They thought this thing would work. Everybody was all ranting and raving about Minnesota. Oh, they might make the playoffs, man. They got Cat. They got James. They got uh, Jimmy Butler. And then things didn't really work out well. Too much inconsistency. Not to mention, people really couldn't stay healthy. And of course, that also determined Andrew Wiggins' fate because since then, he hasn't really been the same player. And that's why they traded him away late to Golden State. Now they're lucky enough they have Carl Anthony Towns and I think he's a really good player. But Minnesota needed to get this thing right. Then he moves on to Philadelphia. And here's why I think that this would not work with James Harden in Miami. Because how Jimmy Butler felt in Philly, Jimmy Butler realized this, there's absolutely no leadership in the room, let alone on the court. Joel Embiid. There's times where he can be a really good center, and then there are times where his egos get in the way. And it's just like, dude, just play ball. I get tired of hearing sometimes about latest tweets, latest talks. and If you stop more of the talking and just more of the playing, Philadelphia would be a much more buttoned-up team. And then you have Ben Simmons, who Ben Simmons... Like, Russ can't shoot. He's only good enough unless if you leave an open lane for him to score at the basket. But he can't shoot threes. And what's worse about it, Philadelphia was in a position where they have traded away a lot of their shooters. They gained more size, and they've gained more length. For what? Because at this point, you're oversized. Nobody really can communicate well and you don't really have a capable shooter who's capable of shooting threes. So Jimmy Butler, not only him, but J.J. Redick, Drew Holiday, a lot of people voiced it out. There's no leadership in the organization. And now I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Philadelphia. I think it's much better because they go and draft shooters, they bring in Doc Rivers, they bring in Daryl Morey. Finally, things are starting to reshape. And I think they're going to straighten out both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid because Philadelphia knows they've got to get this to work. But now you've got Jimmy Butler in Miami. And here's the difference. If you put James Harden in Miami, it is not going to work. Not going to work. And here's the thing. James Harden dealt with Chris Paul in Houston. Chris Paul... He's an old school type player, old school mentality. When he sees things that tick him off, depending on the situation of the game, he's going to voice that out. And that's where James Harden's not going to like that. Jimmy if you think Chris Paul is tough, Jimmy Butler can be a lot tougher. He's a guy that will get in your face, scream at you, and he'll point out some things that you're doing wrong. And knowing James Harden because he wants the ball most of the time and he plays a lot of this iso ball, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's going to be too much pressure, pressure, too much tension, and James Harden's not going to like it there. He'll automatically request a trade by the time he goes to Miami. That's why I think in the position that Houston is in, I knew this implosion was going to happen the second Westbrook came in the, in the into play because it made you lose one of your best backboard defenders, Clay Capella, and a couple of other good role players. Now you lost him, and now you're on the brink of losing James Harden, and now you've got to start this over again. And that's what's unfortunate about Houston. But the only places that I think really could work, I mean, I really do see Philadelphia working with James Harden because Ben Simmons can't shoot. They need to have a score. I mean, they had a couple of them in the last couple of seasons. And they had Jimmy Butler, but they let him walk because of leadership issues. So at that point, if you're James Harden, I mean, why leave now? That's the hard part for Houston. They've got to make this work right, but I think they also realize they're in a trapped position. They're in a big-time trapped position. So it's unfortunate, but to me with James Harden, like I I like James Harden. I think he's a great scorer. I think he's a, he's a guy that scores a lot of points. But in the end, he's not technically a number one. He's not a leader. That's a, what a lot of these players are going through. They're not leaders. There's some that there's some that are capable of leading a team to championships, and some of them that they're, they're just like, I just want to play with this guy. He knows where to lead us into directions of winning championships. So that's why I'm just like, James Harden, he'll never be a leader, but more and more, if he doesn't acclimate to some of these plays, I don't think we'll ever see a time where James Harden will win a championship. That's just the unfortunate and the reality. Um, sticking to the NBA. So, preseason has officially started. And I think it's going to be very interesting to what next season is going to be. There's a lot of different talks and, you know, different adjustments. But you know what? After seeing what last year brought us, I mean, they acclimated very well. Now they are in fact going to try to they are going to try to open up the home arenas for all teams but it's going to be very interesting on how they play this out. I think it's doable. If we had seen what happened in Orlando, I'm sure other arenas and facilities they're going to try to acclimate the same thing. And 2020 has been a hell of a roaster, roller coaster ride. But Looking at what I'm seeing right now from certain NBA teams. Because right now, the Lakers are going to be pushing for back-to-back. If not, two more championships. So have three all together with LeBron there. And Anthony Davis. Then you got Dallas. And then there's Utah. Phoenix. I've already said Phoenix will look like a playoff team. The second you get Chris Paul, he's going to straighten out this young core. Probably get the best out of Devin Booker. And I think that there will be a playoff team. New Orleans, they look to be a playoff team. After all they picked up with the draft picks, retaining players, New Orleans is going to be a playoff team. And Zion, I'd love to see the best of Zion next year, uh, this uh, next up and coming season. I think it'll be interesting. And yeah, and he'll be resting up he'll be resting up but i do think that when he starts to pl- when he plays with phoenix i think it's going to be very very interesting <laughs> that's so funny does anyone else think navy helmets are hideous it looks like pigeon or bird pooped on it <laughs> Oh lord yep but um I'm pretty excited and i'm pretty I'm interested to see how this season will pan will pan out because at the same time, this was also a year that we did not get any March madness whatsoever, so we haven't been able to showcase what some of these new rookies could do, especially in like uh championship type situations you know when pressure's on, so on and so forth. It'll be interesting to see what like what change will be because i do i i've said this before the nba like baseball and like hockey is it's a developmental league it very much is what's going on mike lee appreciate you man the nba won't be good again until this money ball thing stops uh to be honest it's only about getting that super team yeah it's true what's going on tay rock what's going on man it's true and there are a lot of players that are just, you know, they're, they're paying up for the money or they're double teaming up. But it, it it is unfortunate with some of this stuff. I've always been a firm believer that there has to be a balance. I hadn't seen that since the 90s, the 2000s. And maybe bits and pieces of the 10s. But since then, it's become more of a player's league. It's become more of a player's league than anything. Baseball's ran by analytics statistics than it should be of managers and i do think that i do think that they need to go back to managers they need to give managers more of the power to set the lineups up and make it happen i'll be honest with you that's what needs to happen hockey i mean hockey is i'll be honest with you no knock against nba but it's more of a team feel than anything else as long as you have the right role players who know what they're doing from lines one through four, then you're basically set for a championship. I mean, look at how balanced the Tampa Bay lightning are. They got so many superstars there and that's what built them to, you know, to winning the Stanley cup. And they needed to, because eventually they weren't going to come back with talent like that ever again. So, In the NBA, I'm hoping this will be very interesting to see. But there's going to be an awful lot of challenges. And this is only just the first step from it. Actually, more the second step. First step, they got through the playoffs throughout the rest of last season. And now we're in this point. They're going to be shooting for Christmas time. I'm excited of the lineup that's there for when we start tip-off. But... All I'm saying is there's going to be a lot of challenges from within. Coming up next, there's an NFL team that people are rolling their eyes at. My thing is, I'm not. I think this team can very much be a legit playoff threat, if you think about it. I will explain who that team is coming up next, and also, too, at Ne- at the top of next hour, I'm going to have my favorite segment of all, my prime predictions for week 14. You guys don't end- want to end up missing that. um. So it's going to be some interesting stuff. But be back here in just a second, guys, here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Be right back. So for those of you who are big time fans of the show on the one network here, the Spotlight Sports Network, um, <clears throat> you guys want to find gear, support, represent your favorite show on the network. Definitely check out the Network.com. and we got SpotlightSportsGear.com as well. So definitely rep up the Snake Sports Talk Show. We got T-shirts, we got hoodies, masks, hats, all sorts of great stuff. So definitely get your gear and start representing today at the spotlight, and look up the snake sports talk show. And when you guys do definitely send in your pictures, we'd love to send in. We'd love to see your guys' feedbacks and see you guys representing your favorite shows here on the network. So, you know, I've been looking at the, the NFL season this whole year and we're close to wrapping things up. We're getting geared up for week 14. Now, there are because a lot of people don't even think about this team for one. That and to me personally, my thing is like when I when I look at the weeks and I look at the last couple of games that have been played, there's one team in particular that I think could be a threat in the playoffs. And the one team to me, and they were in a Super Bowl before. And the team that I think could be an interesting, it could be an interesting threat in the playoffs. I think it could be the LA Rams. And a lot of people might not believe that. Not a lot of people would think, well, come on, it's the LA Rams and such. But here's the thing that I say about the LA Rams because the Rams have done a lot of different things um, differently. And I was kind of. I was kind of shocked about the team because for one, they were dealing with a cap hit. They were dealing with a cap hit and they were bringing in new players. They lost Todd Gurley. They, they lost a couple players, but all throughout it, they adjusted and they did a lot of things, right? So I think it's interesting to seeing the LA Rams and where they stand today. Because right now they're eight and four, and what I've seen, yeah, they're getting hot at the right time. Being eight and four, but let me just give you this: this team, they're ranked third in offense and they're ranked second in defense, and they're getting red hot at the right time. A lot of people have rolled their eyes. Come on, we've seen Jared Goff and all this, but what they don't realize is that I've been preaching this. All in the last couple of weeks. And even from just the development of the Rams in general. When Jared Goff is sacked once or less. He's got one of the best winning records as a franchise quarterback. And there's no denying it. The numbers themselves don't lie. But even at the same time. He's been playing. He plays better football when he has a comfortable pocket. Now, I know they're going to need to revamp their offensive line. That's no doubt. The other part of it is is that the defense with Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, Jalen Ramsey, they've been playing really good football. And they are the most important key components when it comes to a big-time defense like theirs. So even if they, they gave up Todd Gurley, which we know, he has you know he has his moments and such but the other thing you have to look at is they got cam akers and i like this kid i think this kid's going to be pretty good for the next couple of years now it may be a little bit of a slow start for cam akers but i like what i'm seeing from him and i think the rams I think the Rams are fit to being competitive for the next couple of years. Regardless right now, because everybody thought they were going to be dealing with a huge cap hit. But they've been figuring things out and they've been working things right. I think it's been really, really fun to watch. But th- that's why I'm just like the Rams. Nobody should be sleeping on them. They're getting hot at the right time. They're fresh off the win. The defense is playing better. The offense right now is is playing much better. They got big time. They got big time uh, playmakers. And I think it's been really, really exciting to watch. And so I think the Rams will be just fine, but they'll be a big time threat in the NFC. If you told me, that if they faced against the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are not going to enjoy the beating given to them. And their defense, come on. They don't, they don't play physical. Green Bay does not play physical. So when they play against the Rams who are physical, they're efficient, it, they won't stand a chance. Because when Aaron Donald's busting through the offensive line and he's getting to Aaron Rodgers, that's just going to be trouble. That's going to be trouble for the Packers. They don't even have a a, a takeaway machine at linebacker no more. They got rid of him, and now he's playing great with the Giants. And I think the Giants are going to be very, very interesting to see come playoff time if they win the division. You know, and, and, and they... They've clicked on all cylinders at the right time. And yeah, I mean, you can never count out Aaron Rodgers, but at the same time, you look at the defense and the defense just doesn't play physical. That's what's going to be the difference maker. So even when it comes, you know, the Packers, they're a good team, but they could be even better if the defense was a little bit more reshaped. And maybe if they got a second wide receiver. But you have them... The Buccaneers, they've got a really good defense. But the question is, is can Bruce Arians really get out of this, you know, no risk it, no biscuit mentality? I'm sorry to say, but that's just one mentality you just you can't break away. It's been a mentality for a long time. Um, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, I hope they have a better performance this up and coming week because I thought they fixed their problems with their pass rush, but their pass rush didn't get any pressure. Especially against a guy like Colt McCoy. Not a ton of pressure. And yet the defense was all over Seattle. They were all over the Seattle offense. And that's why I'm like, it was a big time upset, but it wasn't to a point where it was gigantic. But something that pretty much raises eyebrows so and that and and here's the thing though with russ remember seattle thrives through russ without him seattle will be irrelevant that's just my personal opinion too they would be irrelevant but that's why i'm saying people should not roll their eyes at the rams in the nfc i feel like this team has completed their offense, their defense, special teams is good. And this is a team I should not take lightly. They'll come at you with physicality. They'll come at you with big-time playmakers. And I mean, to me, that's where I just I look at them, and I think they will be a big-time threat in the playoffs for the NFC. All right, time for... The hot press, if I could get this up and running. All right, so, yeah, let's get this up and running. Time for the hot press. All right, so... We've had a couple of cancellations during college football time, and um so we've just been hearing about Texas. Texas, AD says that Tom Herman will remain being their head coach. Now, Tom Herman, he's had some difficult times with Texas, and I'm very surprised of it. I was kind of excited that Tom Herman would be coaching this Texas team, but things just have not been working out for the Longhorns at all, and so they really need to adjust their stuff. But Tom Herman, if they give him one more chance, hopefully this will work out for the better and – you know, I, I, I'm just hoping Texas gets back on the map of being in an, an, uh, a really, really good, tough program. And they need that, especially in the Big 12 because, you, you know, you got Oklahoma, um, Wisconsin. there Well, Oklahoma and, and a bunch of really good programs there within the Big 12. It's going to be very interesting to see. But Texas needs to get themselves back on the map. So uh, just earlier in baseball, the New York Mets have finalized a 4-year contract with catcher James McCann, 4 years, $40 million plus. So James McCann, who spent last year with the Chicago White Ho- uh, Chicago White Sox, ended up serving some time along with Yasmani Grandal. He had a career high 289 batting average, 7 home runs and 15 RBIs in just 31 games during a pandemic shortened season. Now, James McCann It's been a really good, interesting adjustment for him. But I just truly think that the Mets, because right now you're looking at James McCann and you're potentially looking at Wilson Ramos. I do like Wilson Ramos. I think he's a really good guy that knows how to spray the ball on the right side of the field. A guy that hits for average and RBIs. But health and consistency is what the the Mets need. That's what they need. They need to fix up this this pitching staff. And I think also they need to go after a second baseman because right now um right now all you got is is you got Robinson Cano who's serving up a suspension and it's not going to be looking good for the Mets at, at least during the season but let's see exactly what, you know, the baseball season will have from here. So it will be – I think it will be very, very interesting to see how this adjusts, but hopefully we'll, we'll get something out of it. But also, too, um thoughts and prayers to Keontae Johnson earlier of uh, the Florida Gators. He is in critical but stable condition after collapsing on the court. So Keont- Keontae Johnson, Florida basketball star, Still remains to be in a uh, critical but yet stable condition after he collapsed earlier in today's game, uh, in the, against their rival Florida State. He was rushed immediately to a nearby hospital. Not sure how it happened, but all they know is is that during it. So the canceled post game, he canceled post game interviews. That was Coach Mike White, and hopefully Johnson will see him back on. We'll see him back on the court soon, but this they, they, they weren't sure exactly what had happened. They're not exactly sure what had happened. So what they did say is, is like most of his teammates, Johnson tested positive for COVID during the summer, but then after a while, he was dealing with other issues and it was an, it was not immediately known and it did lead to a viral infection into um, of the heart muscle. And maybe that could have caused the collapse. We have no idea what else could could have happened from there. But ho- thoughts and prayers to Keontae Johnson. Hopefully, we'll see him back up on the court soon. And hopefully, he'll be 100%. I mean, this is the kind of thing that it's been unfortunate. You know, with the way that this pandemic has been going around. Um, hopefully, we'll be out of this soon. So... All righty, so that was your hot press. All right, coming up next. So, you know, like I mentioned about the NFL playoffs, you know, there it's going to be very interesting to see how all of this pans out for the NFL. Because my thing is, my thing is, and I've been saying about this, because right now there's not going to be a bubble in place. i We talked about this before. I talked with colleagues about this, and I still do believe they should have had a bubble in place. And for me, like, for the NFL, we saw all the other leagues do it. We saw hockey do it. They placed a bubble. In Edmonton and in Toronto, no COVID cases, none of it. They played out smoothly. Everybody was good. They also were kind of loosening and lightening up where they were bringing in family members only into the bubble. And it actually worked out for the better for hockey. And we got a Stanley Cup championship. We got a Stanley Cup champion in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I thought it worked out beautifully. The NBA, they put a bubble in place in Orlando, and in a place where there was no fans, virtual reality fans were all around. They were all around, and the players, it was like playing a you know a pickup game. In my opinion, it looked like it was playing a pickup game. That, you know, and granted, with not having fans in the stands, definitely affects the. It, it, it affects the vibe of the championship mentality and not to mention the situations as well. But in the end, it worked out well. We got a champion in the Los Angeles Lakers. It's as if it was scripted and meant to be because they had already gone through a lot. They have already gone through the passing of Kobe and Gigi Bryant and then having to get hit with the pandemic and everything else. And they looked like the healthiest they've ever been. So, it will be interesting to see how the NBA works this out, but I think they'll be fine with it. And also in baseball, baseball had a shortened season. I think they could have got more games out of it. They probably would have got ninety, if not a hundred, total games. Just shred out the the remaining sixty-two, or maybe just take out the seventy-two. However, you need to play this. But the problem of it was is that you had both the owners and the players arguing over they were arguing over money and contract issues for what what you have to realize is even for players you're not going to be making money if you're not on the field that's one thing the other thing is the people who really are hurting are the people who work within the stadiums within the arenas and within the the ballparks the concession people, they rely on fans. They really do. Because fans are the only people that they buy food, they buy drinks, they buy, a, 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 they buy gear. They rely on them to be there. And it helps to bring the revenue back into the arena and into the stadiums to keep the lights up. You know, and with this constant back and forth, it was ridiculous. And that was where I was like, you guys need to stop screwing around and we need to have a plan in place. So they finally do it with the play, with the postseason. They have a bubble and they had a bunch of different remote areas. San Diego, Houston, Arlington, Texas, and then they also had Los Angeles. Now they flip-flopped the teams, which I was not, I, I did not understand that. But in the end, they put the bubble in place in the Rangers' new ballpark in Globe Life Park, and it worked out well. And we got a champion with the Dodgers. It worked out perfectly. The NFL—they've had series, series of cases left and right. A lot of people have been going on in the in the COVID lists. A lot of people, you know. Teams have been hit with it big time. There was the Steelers, then the Ravens, and then the Raiders, and and the 49ers, so many of them. The 49ers right now are homeless. They're playing the rest of the season in Arizona. Santa Clara County came out with a big-time restricted notice and guidelines, and they're not allowing any sport activities to be playing there. So no high school games, no college games, not even an NFL game, you know, and, and, and that's where I was like, it's interesting, but here's the plan we had in place. This was kind of something that we thought of with this whole situation in order to make it better, to smoothen the season out, because originally me and my colleague, we talked about it. And I said this because of how the season and how the year has panned out. There has been no vaccines yet, and we're waiting upon that. But what I would have proposed was them playing within their practice facilities. You could find ways to get broadcasters and announcers and a lot of people within the facilities, and it's all indoors. You have a football field. And then you could just post up virtual realities everywhere. I would have been totally fine with that because I wouldn't have had to be reliant on fans to be there. There's no point. It's not worth the risk. And that's what we had originally. Play them within the facilities. It's a closed place. The players, the staffs, the coaches would be safe. And that's what I pushed for. You know, and now things are starting to now things are looking like they're starting to kind of turn around, hopefully, uh, because the FDA did approve of a vaccine just yesterday. And I'm I'm curious to see how this will work out, because, again, I'm the kind of person that I'm like, I got to see by the numbers and I got to see by the results. That's just how I am. That's in all aspects of life. That's even in sports, because in order for me to really. Trust that a team is going to be really good. I got to look at the numbers and I got to watch the performances on the field because if you live up to your stats, then I can consider it. But if you don't, and there seems to be some sort of flaw within it, it kind of makes me a little bit curious. But my one thing, if you want to finish the NFL season off strong, my thing is if they... I would be putting a bubble in place for for both the AFC and the NFC. And I have been saying this a couple times. I think the AFC, they should be playing their postseasons in the new Raiders stadium, in Allegiant Stadium here in Vegas. Because ultimately, the NFL owes it to Las Vegas. They owe it to Las Vegas. There was supposed to be the draft there. Then there was the Pro Bowl and everything else. And I think if you play this right, if you play it at Allegiant Stadium for the AFC, it's closer to everybody. And then in the end, maybe you can end up playing a Super Bowl there. Who, Who knows? Depends on it. Or, yeah, maybe even in Hawaii, possibly. And then the NFC, I would either have them in Atlanta or I would have them in New Orleans. Because... All, what all three of those stadiums have in common is they're all in a dome, they're all in a closed space, and it's safe for everybody. Plus, two does one team a favor, does one city a favor, and the other ones, I mean, they're you know they're really good. They're they're one of the best stadiums in in the NFL, by far. So. If you want to match the, if you want to make this right and you want to end this off strong, I feel like the AFC would be playing in Las Vegas, and I feel like the NFC you either can roll the dice on New Orleans or Atlanta. They're both in closed places; everybody can stay safe, and I think it would be entertaining. And maybe that'll help you with your revenues as far as your viewers go. That's just the way that I look at it. But the NFL's got to have a much better plan in place. They really, really, really do, and I think that this is, I think this is the absolute start. So, um, coming up next, so I'll be talking about one particular team, the Vegas Golden Knights. There were some rumors about their star wingman, Max Pacioretty, who was possibly going to end up, um, who was possibly going to end up. Getting traded. So, but I'll explain why I think that that would be probably a bad idea. And there's a bunch, and you know, we got a bunch of hockey news as well, especially with the shaping of the divisions. I'll be explaining about that here coming up next. So, as we said before, guys, get your gears now and rep for your favorite shows and also rep the network here, the Spotlight Sports Network at SpotlightSportsGear.com. Look them up. We got all the latest gears for you, hats, T-shirts, hoodies, all sorts of great stuff. Definitely start repping for your favorite shows here today on the Spotlight Sports Network and at SpotlightSportsGear.com. So... Looking at hockey, because I haven't even been talking about it in a while. And it and, and that's actually going to be coming right up around the corner. <clears throat> that's going to be coming up right up around the corner. And I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be fun. But after what we've seen with the success with hockey lately, I think they're going to be just fine. I think hockey right now, now there is a couple of, There are a couple of things in place. There's a couple of things that I think that that are going to end up changing up here. And they've been talking about the, um, the, the newest divisions. And if I could pull them up here in just a moment. But there was something there that was talking about the discussions of their divisions. And I thought this was very, very interesting how that they put this up. So of course, but first and foremost, so the Vegas Golden Knights, they had some rumor buzzes about forward Max Pacioretty being on the market. And I thought there's should be no way, but they're trying to be more a little, they're trying to be more cap compliant. And of course the 32, old, 32 year old had a really good season, 32 goals, 66 points in 71 games through the past season. So he had had a hell of a year. He's had a hell of a year. I think he's become a really good player. We know the first year was kind of shaky, but he's gotten much better. But there are a bunch, of t- a bunch of players on this roster that have to step up. And I think this team is very much capable, and I think now they have the pieces where they can make a Stanley Cup final run again. After signing Alex Petrangelo as their defenseman, I think the Golden Knights are right there on the driver's seat. And it's forming up young kids like Nick Haig, Dylan Coughlin, uh, Cody Glass. There's a bunch of them. I think this is going to be very interesting to see how Vegas shapes themselves up. But after they've after they have made that happen. I think it will be very interesting to see what this season will bring for them. But I think they've shaped up very well to where they can make a Stanley Cup run. And I'm being completely honest from there. I'm being completely honest. So, they've there there's been talks about this divi- about these these new divisions and there isn't an all Canadian division. There's going to be an all Canadian division for all Canadian teams, like Winnipeg, Montreal, uh, Calgary, Winnipeg, and Vancouver and Toronto. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of the Canadian teams that they're all just going to be on their one place. So, I'm kind of interested to see how this is going to work. Now they did have one pr- proposal in place, but now they're they're going back into it and they're and, and now they're just going to end up you know reconfiguring who else is going to be within their division because of course they were going to be shaping their division anyway because of the fact of Seattle now a brand new franchise just expanded so now they're going to be coming into play this next up and coming season and I'd like to see how Seattle works in hockey so And to me, I'm like, because they're trying to make it closer for uh, at least for a couple of franchises. They're trying to move, you know, teams like Dallas, Colorado, and a couple of others into potentially like a Western division, like more in the Pacific division. And then everybody else kind of shaping within the middle, kind of in the central. And then you have like an East, you have like an East Coast type. And then the rest of them will all play up North. But I think it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up. Can't wait for the orange and black again. Yeah, there you go. Key in the building. She's got all content. Definitely give her a a follow as well. Subscribe to her channel. She's got everything as far as Philadelphia sports. That is the Phillies, the Eagles, the Flyers, and the Sixers. Definitely check it out at Key in the Building. The Maple Syrup Series. Yeah, right? Um, But I truly think it'll be interesting to see how the hockey season really pans out. And I think it. I think it's an interesting idea, but at the same time, who knows how long that that may last. I mean, now that we've got the vaccine that's passed, hopefully this will bring out a little more clarity and hopefully to clear out all the smoke that's been in the air for so long. So I'm interested to see that. I'm very interested to see that, and who knows? If this works out well for hockey, then I'm sure we'll get more adjustments as we go. But at the same time, they'll probably revert back to the same divisions. But yet, because originally the Arizona Coyotes were going to move from Pacific to go to Central. And that was the deal. It was going to open the paveway for the seattle kraken to now come into the pacific division so there's still more talks involved but i think it'll be interesting to see how this pans out and i think this will be a very interesting nfl season um so looking at a couple of teams all throughout this year you know because we're coming into playoffs very very quickly for the nfl I think the NHL needs to go worldwide like soccer. I do think so. And you know what? There's one other sport too that I think at some point we may see it merge as like the biggest thing. I think it would be, I seriously think lacrosse could be a very, you know, could be one of those sports that comes up. it will be very, very interesting to see. I think the cross, because right now, I mean, you got one of the, um, one of the rappers method man who's actually been pushing more for lacrosse to be a big time thing and i think at some point depending on money revenue and not to mention views as well i think lacrosse could potentially be a big time hit for sports won't be a major sport but if this develops right and they'll get a bunch of gigs with a couple of um with a couple of broadcasting companies that they've already seen i've seen a bunch of them be with like NBC Sports, you know, and so many others. So I think what I I mean, I'm interested to see how that works because I I watched lacrosse during the pandemic and they played everything out right. They, They had no fans in the stands. The players were right. were all right. I didn't even hear one single peep of a case that came out. Not at all. So I guess you could say they've been working this out very, very well so at some point we'll start to see that become emerge at some point but hopefully by then i mean it'll be interesting to see from there but you know since we've got the playoffs coming up for the NFL and i know there's already teams that is kind of a guarantee i mean we look at we look at the chiefs the chiefs are unbelievable you know they're the most competitive team. Probably cricket is that way, just not in the U. Yeah, that's true. Cricket, I think, is in, is that way. They're just not like that in the U.S. They're more they're more like that internationally. So, um, but the Chiefs are a big time guarantee. You know, the Cleveland Browns, honestly, that's a team that has been red hot. And right now, if I'm Pittsburgh, or if I'm Tennessee again, I would not be facing Cleveland again. They've been looking like a very competitive team. And if I got more numbers like that out of Baker Mayfield, shoot, I mean, you'd be a happy camper. And we've been pushing for Houston, or we were pushing for Cleveland to be a competitive team. We really were. I think Cleveland, they just always had a history of just bad records, not to mention you know, they're they're a losing culture type of thing, but culture has changed a lot. And Cleveland now, because they've shaped themselves up, they've got Kevin Stefansky, who I think is going to be coach of the year, in my opinion. And I think it's going to work out well for Cleveland in the long run. I think they've really shaped this thing up well. So depending on depending on how we see Cleveland for the next couple of years. I think at some point Cleveland will be very. Yeah, it is the Browns, so we will see, indeed. But I think at this point, all I can say is, is like you know, let's pump the bra- Let's pump the brakes here for what we've seen in this season. They've done a bunch of things right because they realize Baker Mayfield is not the savior of the franchise. He's not the fr- he's not the big time franchise guy. They've been limiting his throws and he's only just been throwing the ball at least 20 you know 25 if not 30 times a game and that's it and that's fine because they realize we don't really have to throw the ball as much we're just utilizing more of our ground game than anything else so i think that's worked out perfectly for them And hopefully it'll carry on for the long run. But Cleveland, Cleveland has very much become a very interesting team. So, all right, guys, hour two coming up next here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Be back here in just a moment.
0: What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to $50 of your first deposit. So go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SS Network. Like the Oakland A's? Are you a fan of the Golden Knights? Do you love the Los Angeles Chargers? Well, then, my friend, you're in the right place. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your host, Jake the snake silver brought to you by the spotlight sports network
1: all right folks we are here at hour two we are live in the 702 this is the snake sports talk show wherever and however you may be watching Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter Periscope, and Twitch is where you can like and follow me on all social media platforms. Also, you can look us up on the spotlight Network.com We've got great articles, and we got merchandises as well. So definitely get your merchandise today. Rep and support your favorite network and your favorite shows here on the network. We really do appreciate it. So, of course, coming on with me here in just a couple of minutes, I've got Key in the building, uh, Key Williams. She covers a lot of Philadelphia sports, including the Eagles, the Flyers, the Sixers, and the Phillies. And we're going to be talking a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles. Because you know what? This has just been on my mind about Philadelphia. Philadelphia is in a position right now. There are tough choices. There's tough choices. Because right now, they're coming into tomorrow with starting Jalen Hurts. And Jalen hurts, mind you, I think has been very very interesting and maybe this is what the you know the Eagles needed they need juice and right now they feel like they're not getting that with Carson Wentz there's too much inconsistency there's too much you know bonehead plays and a lot of people have been trying to pin the finger on well who do we blame? Do we blame Howie Roseman, the GM? Do we blame Dar- uh, Doug Peterson, the head coach? Or do we blame Carson Wentz, the quarterback? Let me just tell you right now, because there are rumor buzzes, and I I discussed about this in the past couple episodes about Carson Wentz and where I think um, he fits best. So in my opinion, because Carson Wentz, if this thing don't work out with Philadelphia, I just feel like Carson Wentz would be better elsewhere. I've pointed out two different organizations, the Colts and the Denver Broncos. And the reason that I think the Colts and Broncos would work. Let's start with Denver because Vic Fangio is a guy who's a defensive-minded coach is not afraid to put his boot down. Okay, he's the type that, you know, when he sees a problem, he's going to put his boot down and he's going to get to the bottom of it and fix it. And we know how we know how reckless Carson Wentz can be. He's basically linebacker built, but he gets injured. He gets so injured a lot, and that's what pisses a lot of Eagles fans off because they like they love Carson Wentz, but there's too much inconsistency. He can't stay he cannot stay healthy for long. And it's it's unfortunate. So at this point, now, you know, and now with, with the way things are running in Philadelphia with now starting Jalen hurts, it's going to be very interesting because now you're going to have the most expensive quarterback on the bench and Denver, I feel like is ideal because they have a really good offensive line. They got weapons. They got Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay running the football. And then you've got Cortland Sutton who would be back next season and Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, KJ Hamler and a bunch of real good offensive role players. And I feel like Carson Wentz would work with that. Now let's go with number two's option of the Indianapolis Colts because the one person he'll reunite with is his former offensive coordinator is Frank Reich. And Frank Reich was the only coach who knew how to work with Carson Wentz, knew how to make him efficient. Any Philadelphia fans remember 2017, the MVP caliper season before getting hurt? Because a lot of people seem to think, oh, well, you know, Nick Foles is better than Carson Wentz. I'm not going to get to that debate anymore. I'm not going to get that to that debate. And now apparently rumor has it there's going to be a debate about Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. Oh, good Lord. And we, you know, it, it, we just seem to be in a place where it's like, there's all these irrelevant and nonsense type of polls and debates. And it's like me, I, I, me, I'm a reasonable person. I deal with this everywhere. I deal with this with sometimes my friends, my coworkers, my colleagues, because it's either a political thing or it's, you know, because eventually it just becomes a political thing. Just in my opinion, in my my mindset. Because it's just like, this is nonsense. As I've said before, Nick Foles was nothing but a one-hit wonder. He had an opportunity to be a franchise quarterback for the Eagles, but goes and takes the money with the Rams. He doesn't end up performing the same. Falls off the wagon, goes back to Kansas City to revamp himself. Then comes back to philadelphia and he only has that one year run and all he really was doing was he was just filling in his role it was more of a team effort than it was all nick Foles. so don't come at me with this debate okay carson wentz is far more accurate i think he's got a lot more strength in his throw but Because everybody seems to forget about the 2017 MVP season he had. Everybody seems to forget that. But Frank Reich was part of that. Frank Reich was part of that. And being in Indianapolis, I mean, they've got a healthy offensive line. They do have weapons. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see that. And I think Indianapolis, they are just only a quarterback away from really becoming a competitive team. And I know a lot of people want to tell want to tell me about, um, they want to tell me about Philip Rivers, and they want to tell me about all of this and that. And okay, that's fine, that's fine. But at the same time, you know, it was unfortunate for the Colts because of the fact of Andrew Luck retires, so they're trying to now find their next big thing at at quarterback. And we know it's not Phillip Rivers. He only has a certain amount of years left before, you know <laughs> the, the, you know, before he's just like, yeah, he, he's not gonna be lasting for long. <laughs> Crimea Rivers jokes. Yeah, it, it, and that's where I'm just like the Colts, they're only about a quarterback away. And I feel like if they took a gamble at Carson Wentz, I think it would work and it would benefit for the long run because only Frank Reich could make this work. So I think it would be very very interesting. I think it would make a whole lot of sense. And so and I think the Colts will be very competitive in the in the AFC South because let's face it. Titans right now they're very competitive. Then the rest of them, Jacksonville and Houston. I love Deshaun Watson, but Houston for right now they're not supporting him. They're not supporting him and there's been a couple of other teams that have had interest in Carson Wentz's Pittsburgh, Chicago, and New England. and I think that's very interesting. Could you imagine Bill Belichick with Carson Wentz you know and 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 could you imagine just how that would end up for New England? But the problem is you can have a good offensive line, but he needs weapons around. He needs weapons around. He'll be dealing with basically, he'll be dealing with the same thing with Philadelphia, only except he'll have a better offensive line. But he'll just be dealing with lawn chairs for wide receivers. Chicago. Chicago would be interesting, and I think they'd get a better quarterback as far as arm accuracy and a guy that can move it downfield as long as he's comfortable in the pocket and he has the right guy speaking to him. And then there's Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh, they are very Big Ben over reliant. We're starting to see that because Big Ben's throwing 50 times a game now. And and this is the kind of thing with Pittsburgh. They have a really good defensive team, but their offense sometimes can be very, very questionable because the, the, the run game, they're not running for more than four yards a carry. And I just think that's terrible. And you know the, the 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 rest of the team. I mean, the, the the defense plays just fine. They lost Bud Dupree. They lost Devin Bush. And who knows? Wentz with the Browns? How about that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, it would be interesting to to be honest, seeing Carson Wentz with the Browns. But I don't know as far as the money as the money goes with their caps. But it could be interesting. But here's the thing, though. Who would you even throw in for a trade like that? Now, we know that Philadelphia, they're going to have to eat up that $59 million cap hit. That's the one thing Philadelphia is kind of trapped with at this point. So if they work this right, because right now, they, they they are trying to make it work with Carson Wentz. That's the only thing. Because... At this point, if they can't get this right, then the only thing that's going to happen now is that they're going to have to move on with Carson. They're going to have to move on with Carson, bring in the latest thing, which is Jalen Hurts, and it's just, it's just not going to end up working well. And that's the part that's going to be very interesting to see with what Philadelphia has in instored and and listen, I mean, uh, yeah, OBJ. I mean, yeah, that could be very interesting. And and actually, yeah, because if you throw in, huh, that would be interesting. That's actually a good point, Mike Lee. I really do appre- I actually do appreciate that thought, because yeah, OBJ is not working in Cleveland. It's not working in Cleveland. The only person who's really thriving right now and joining me here on the uh the global satellite network presented by streamyard is of course key williams aka key she's always in the building key i know you've been talking about this all the time through Philadelphia and what's been going on with parson wentz lately but what has been your initial thought now that knowing that jalen hurts is going to end up getting the start is there going to be tensions in the the organization now because of the fact of you got Hertz over Wentz and now you've got the most expensive quarterback on the bench, or could this potentially just be Philadelphia just needs juice in any way? Your all
2: right, hold on, let me get my audio together. Yeah, no, One second here, my yeah. bad, y'all. How y'all doing? First off, you know, I'm always in the building as y'all know. Finally, I'm on the snake's first talk show.
1: Finally,
2: Jake. Finally. <laughs> so hold on. Hold on one second. Hold on one second.
1: Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of some technical stuff. But we're getting there, guys. All right. All right. Oh, good. All
2: right. Can y'all? Am I good? Can y'all hear me now? Can you Yeah.
1: Good? Yeah.
2: All right. Sorry. No, it was a question. My bad.
1: <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, basically, what I was saying was key is that coming into this week, knowing exactly all of the messes that's going on in Philadelphia right now. Um. So they're going with Jalen Hurts this week, and this is kind of bringing up a ton of questions and the one thing of it is, are Philadelphia doing this because of the fact of, you know, they need juice or is it just kind of something that, you know, could this potentially be some tensions to where it may predict Carson Wentz's future in the long run with the Eagles? What was your thoughts and your opinions the second you heard about the news about Jalen Hurts starting?
2: Okay. So first off, I ain't going to lie. Um, I was calling for Carson's head. And it's it's, it's time for him to get benched. We're going to rob the team. We're going to die with the team. Carson's my brother. We're going to stick by him. We all know he has his issues with staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Last season, he proved that he can. Even though he had the injuries, the offensive line, no receiving core. He got to the playoffs. Got hurt in the playoffs. But he got there. He was healthy. He threw over 4,000 yards last season. This year, I don't know what's going on with Carson. Um, I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if Doug needs to stop calling these plays that's, you know, obviously we're missing Frank Wright mm-hmm. or some type of offensive coordinator minded like Frank Wright. He developed a Carson Wentz. That's what Philly needs, somebody to develop these players. And I'm tired of Doug using these old farts, i.e. Jason Peters, who <laughs> needs to just go retire. Don't know why we brought him back for him to just get injured again. Uh-huh. Oshawn Jeffrey is another one. What has he done for us? Nothing this season. Deshaun Jackson it's another one. He gets injured too much. It's time to let the veterans go. It's all about the new school right now. Mm-hmm. It's all about the new school. A, a Greg Ward, who showed up last season. Nobody knew who Greg Ward was. Greg Ward. Travis Fogum. soon as Oshawn Jeffrey comes in the picture, his targets get limited. Yeah. No, go back to throwing the Travis. Um, who else? Um, shoot. JJ, we're not talking about Shaker Whiteside because he's been a bust. <laughs> Travis Fogan. Um, we got Ertz back. And Utilize you're dealing with Dallas
1: Goddard as well.
2: Dallas Goddard and uh, Richard Rogers, who's the third stringer, but he is still good too. Find a scheme to react and, and implement all three of them because they're good. And Doug, I swear for beans. Why aren't you running Miles Sanders right now? What is going on? <laughs> what is wrong with two six? Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders is a good running back. I understand our line's depleted and we can't block, but we, which in the NFL to, to enhance the passing game, you gotta use the running game. You can't throw 55 times. You gotta run the ball. I understand our line is horrible, but you gotta run the ball. Mm-hmm. It was time for Carson Wentz to sit down. Leading league in interceptions, he holds the ball too much. Um Hammer hush, Miles Sanders is in a <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: Yeah, um, it, yeah, and you know what? It, it's kind of unfortunate with this position because at the same time, and I, I spoke about this because listen, you. You know me as well as anybody, Key. I I sometimes can be a defender of Carson Wentz at times. And you and I have both been accountable for it, especially with some of our colleagues on the network here. But it's just that when times when Carson would be comfortable in the pocket, um, he can be an accurate quarterback. We've seen stints of that. Um, Then... All of a sudden, you know, you get the injury in 2017, and then Nick Foles apparently is a rock star and all this other stuff. And now here we are with Jalen Hurts. And I think he, I think Jalen Hurts was very impressive with as far as his throws go and him trying to move the offense. But you're absolutely right. This thing with Miles Sanders, I don't understand what's going on with there because listen, this is not. Jay Jai, this is not, you know, the last couple of running backs that that Philadelphia is at. I mean, even Wendell Smallwood and a lot of these other guys. And so it just feels like the production out of Miles Sanders is just running flat. If there's anything that you can look at up to this point, especially prepping for ne- this next up and coming game, what needs to happen with Philadelphia now having Jalen Hurts under center and what, and what could they possibly do right that can turn this thing around?
2: All right, so we all know Jalen Hurts is an athlete. Y'all seeing him in Alabama, you seeing him in uh, Oklahoma. Nick Saban's vouch for him as, as far as, and, and also Lincoln Riley's vouch for him. We all know the guy is gifted. He's athletic. He's the type of quarterback he can throw in the pocket as well. Mm-hmm. And if he sees stuff break down, he can get out of there. Um, he's not scared to throw the ball away. Now, in reports I have been seen, you know, Rager, uh, Jalen Rager, Ward, and also Travis Fogum, they all went to high school and played in Texas together. So they know Jalen Hurts, and they're ready. Um, I just feel like this whole Carson-Jalen Hurts thing is, is irking me as an Eagles fan compared to these other Eagles fans. The realistic one here, this is a, it feels like it's a divide. Oh, I'm with Carson. or oh, I'm with this. Who cares? Yeah. Who's at the quarterback? This is your team. You... Right. Support whoever is on your whoever is the quarterback, and we all know the Eagle season is done. Mm-hmm. So why not put Jalen Hurts in the game right now? You know, same thing with Tua. Oh, everybody was like, including myself, I admit, I was like, oh, why are you throwing Tua in the game with Aaron Donald and the Rams? And what happened? Yeah. He beat Aaron Donald and the Rams. Yeah. Am I saying Jalen Hurts can beat the Saints any given Sunday? But the way the Saints defense is balling right now, that's enough. They're ten and two. They're, they're second against the run and I think fourth against the pass. So it's mm-hmm. going to be brutal for Jalen Hurts. I'm not even going to lie. This offensive line, um, the only, only stout offensive line we got is a Jason is Jason Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Jason Kelsey. So he's, he's the glue to that offensive line. But when you have so many players get switched out every time, there's only so much you can do, but just hold it down. Um, for the most part, the Eagles' run blocking is not that bad. So that's why I'm like, why are you not running Miles Sanders? Just run him. Even if you can't throw down because I know you got a Marshawn Lattimore back there. You got um, Malcolm Jenkins, who's playing his former squad. Mm-hmm. This is when you need the screens with Miles Sanders. A little, um, you know, even if it's a little receiver route, the, the, the stopping, and popping, and maybe you can get some yak after the yards. We mm-hmm. got to do something to move these chains, and then take a shot downfield. You know, maybe, but they got to they got to do something to protect Hurts. Offensive line has to do something. Um, he just got to he just got to play smart, which I think he is. He came in the Green Bay game, gave us a spark yeah. right off the bat. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe some fresher legs. Um, the Saints don't know about Jalen Hurts. They only see what they see in college, mm-hmm. so it's not much film that you can do in his NFL career. Right. You never know what he can do in a whole game situation and not just little series. So yeah. Jalen Hurts, I think he'll be fine. Now, moving forward, honestly, what I think is going to happen, Jalen Hurts is going to play the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Next season, Carson Wentz is going to be the starter again. And if he starts messing up again, Hurts is going to come back in. And then after that, you have to see what's going on with the Eagles and Carson Wentz because, obviously, we can't boot him right now. We can't trade him. That's a hard hit on the cap that we're going to face. Mm-hmm. so he's going to be here through 2022 and then after that if you still feel okay maybe Carson isn't the fit, isn't working he's not the franchise then you go to Jalen hurts give him pieces around him so he can succeed in NFL
1: yeah and you know what it, it, it's really interesting of course you know and and just seeing how you know the cap hit and everything else because if he's not on the roster by next year that's a fifty nine million dollar cap hit that the Philadelphia Eagles now have to swallow. And that would be a serious problem. So it just seems like they're they're really trying to make it work. They're really trying to make it work at some point because they got to make it work. I mean, you pay Carson Wentz some, this amount of money and so on and so forth, and it just it seems like nothing seems to be going their way. And that's where I, I think is the fear in Philadelphia because the last thing they need is that all of that money now going to waste... And, and let's just say, like I said, because there were a bunch of different, uh, destinations that you mentioned earlier, like, you know, off the, off the, uh, off the air when we, and I said this before, I told you about the Colts. I told you about the Broncos about being potential suits. Now, of course, you know, who, who knows when that time will be, but I'm sure they're going to leave next year as the point where they've got to make it work with Carson. And then who knows what next year will the next year after that will then hold up because then it'll be easier for the cap. But let's talk a little bit. Let's shift on the defensive side. What has been Because I've been seeing a little glimpses of the defense, Fletcher Cox still continuing to put consistent numbers and then not to mention, um, the secondaries Jalen Mills, I think has been playing better in his secondary. And then not to mention, um, there's been a, there's been a couple of glimpses here and there. I mean, watching the game against Seattle, watching the game against uh, Green Bay. D- do you think that there needs to be a few more adjustments on the defensive side of things to really kind of help out for Philadelphia in the long run?
2: I still, yeah, uh, yeah, I still think we need a good, solid linebacker. Our linebacking core isn't that great. I know we got um, JT Edwards, uh, TJ Edwards back there, mm-hmm. um, Duke Riley. Um, they're, they're stepping up. But you know, we don't have a solid linebacking core. Um, like when we had Jordan Hicks back in the day, but he was so injury prone. I like Jordan, but he was injured too much. Yeah. So he got let go. Um, I'm not I'm I was never I'm never worried about Philly's front seven because Philly's front seven is stopped. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh Derek Barnett, um Hargrave, Malik Jackson. I'm not worried about the front seven. It's the linebacking core, and then of course the secondary still can be suspect. We all know Darius Slay is good, but he got exposed in the last two weeks. He got exposed against DK Metcalf, and he mm-hmm. got exposed against um a Devontae Adams. Yeah, he got exposed. But um Jalen um Rodney McLeod's been playing pretty good, and so has Jalen Mills. Um they they did they did hold down Tyler Lockett from going off. Um they just couldn't stop Jay Metcalf, so. Okay. If you kick if you go back and look at that Seattle game, mm-hmm. Seattle only scored two touchdowns two touchdowns yeah. they only scored
0: yeah
1: so, that's all they scored and then not to mention too they kept pushing for you know fourth down conversions which I was just like that's not quite Pete Carroll like just to be going back to back fourth down conversions you know and so that that was very interesting to me.
2: And as far as Carson Wentz, back to Carson real quick, Carson Wentz is not broken. He can be fixed. Yes. If you give Carson a good enough line and a coach that's going to develop him and call plays to where his abilities that he can do, Carson will be fine. I know we go back to pre-Super Bowl before the injury. Carson was rolling. He, you saw him run more. I know he's hurt and he's durable. But you seen him run when he had to. He threw on the run. When you give him time, he makes good decisions. I think this mental psyche, because oh, they drafted a uh, quarterback in the second round, is getting to him mentally. And I think he needs to sit some time, humble himself, and just think about crap. I'm playing like this. This is not me. Hopefully, in the offseason, he can come back next year and kill it. We're going to get a top pick, get mm-hmm. another receiver, forget all Sean Jeffrey, forget D Jack. Start fresh. We got these young receivers who can catch. Um, give Carson some help. Draft some offensive line in the in the later rounds. Get a linebacker. But yeah, he's gonna he's gonna need help. And Doug got to go. I'm he has to go this season, and bring somebody in that's going to be a head coach and get an offensive coordinator.
1: I agree. I agree. From there, I think it'll be very interesting for the Philadelphia Eagles. Hopefully, next season they'll bounce back because we know. The Giants, Washington, right now, they're getting competitive. And listen, I don't know what's going to happen with Dallas. They look too, they look too just, you know, overdue and everything else. And it, it's just like nothing seems to be working out for them in Dallas. But Key Williams, the key of the building, joining me here on the network. So let's shift over to um, the 76ers because now preseason basketball has officially started. So. There, I've been saying this about James Harden. I really like him as a scorer, but I've never liked him as far as becoming a potential number one. We're clearly seeing the, uh, a potential implosion in Houston right now. And now two more teams have been added to the mix, the Bucks and the Heat, which I've been saying the conversation, I don't think both of them are going to work because Milwaukee is not a free agent destination. Um, for a lot of these big-time free agents, you just can't link contracts like that. And I like Chris Middleton, but I don't think he's a capable number two. Then there's Miami that I don't think him and Jimmy Butler would work out because Jimmy's just going to be breathing down his throat most of the time because of his iso ball. But I think Philadelphia would be an interesting fit because Ben Simmons, this is a season right now where he has to learn to shoot. If he can't do that, then at that point, yeah, you've got to move on from him and and get more shooters. I think Philadelphia has been doing a really good job drafting shooters. They've been acquiring some of them. I think they're starting to figure out the issue. Do you feel like there's a potential that the Sixers may go and acquire somebody like James Harden? Where do you see right now with where the Sixers stand?
2: Oh my God, if the Sixers can pull off of James Harden, I will... Guarantee you, I'm going to try to do a cartwheel <laughs> <laughs> and make sure I record it. Um, but um, you, Murray already said he's not giving up Ben or Ben or Embiid for James Harden. But it's impossible to have all three because you're going to have to give up somebody. Yes, Tobias Harris got a max deal. Do you move Tobias to Houston, like you said? Is John Wall? And John Wall didn't look bad last night. Haven't played since 2018. But the thing with John Wall is he can't stay healthy. Can he yep. stay healthy? Um, that's the question.
1: No.
2: Number two is if God came down himself, he could not make Ben Simmons shoot.
1: Yeah.
2: Everybody in Philadelphia just got to have to talk it. He's not going to shoot. Sam Cassell, uh, assistant coach here with us, Oh, he's been shooting. He's been doing the mid-range. I believe it when I see it. I don't want to see this film that so he's doing it. I want to see it in the game. Like, what, what's wrong with a little el- a shot from the elbow or the free throw line? What is wrong with taking that shot, Then Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You are 6'10 for a reason. Take that shot. Do a little baby hook. Do the post game. We all know you can pass and you can create some space and you can create plays. But don't go to the lane and then dish it off. You're 6'10". Dunk it! You know how many points you'll have? Instead of you driving to the paint and then dishing it off for what? You're right. You're two feet away from the basket. Lay it up. Dunk it. Do something. But but God can't make Ben shoot. So Ben's going to have to shoot. And he's going to have to shoot in this game. If he has a jump shot, the boy will be dangerous. Now, Danny Green did say he's going to challenge him. Mm -hmm. We'll see how that goes. Danny Green is a solid player. Um, He's about forty percent from the three. We all know what Danny Green can do when he's consistent. He has right. three. He has three championship rings. He has the experience. He he will jumpstart this offense, and I do like that. We got shooters around. Stephanie, uh, Seth Curry, uh, will handle the ball. Um, so the top the the five is going to be Ben and Bead, Seth Seth Danny Green and Tobias Harris. And Tobias mm-hmm. plays plays his best basketball on the dock. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But if you want a James Harden. A guy that scores 30 points a night, triple-doubles here and there, somebody's got to go. If you're going to trade somebody, then got to go.
1: Yeah. No, and, um, and, no, and, and absolutely, I mean, because especially freeing up cap space like that, I mean, I, I've been a firm believer. I think you've heard me say this, but Tobias Harris being paid all that money, c- come on. Tobias Harris, it, he's a good player. He's not a great player especially when I look at it from that contract and everything else, it just doesn't add up the same. And that's where I just feel like, you know, if, if Philadelphia, you know, because they, that's where they've got to make this work with Tobias Harris, because at that point, if it doesn't, that's now again, dead, dead money. You know, that, that's, that, that's dead money. It's dead money in the water. And I mean, can- OKC
2: okay, did take Carford from us and, Thank God that that contract was horrible.
1: Oh yeah, that contract um, itself was horrible too. And and that's it, and that and 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 here's the thing though, because like I, I I would have utilized Al Horford as a role player rather than you know a contract where he's like he's got to be a big time starter in this lineup. But to me, it's just like Horford's kind of right there on the tail end. I think I see him more of a role player, but he's not a bad playoff guy. That's the one thing that I can say about uh Horford is he can make some plays in you know during the playoffs but at this point yeah
2: you know a couple years when he was in Boston he was in Bead's kryptonite right now watch if they get to the playoffs or they get somewhere where I'm sure OKC is going to play Philly watch he be a thorn and then side. it never fails what Brett Brown tried to do was have them both on the floor at the same time that's not going to work so we're not going to see a Dwight Howard and then on the floor at the same time we're never going to see that now, yeah
1: and so I th- Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting too. I was going to get your thought on that with some of these role players coming in like Dwight Howard and Seth Curry. I mean, cuz I I I just I've been a firm believer they needed to have more shooters than length. I mean, and bringing in a guy like Dwight Howard, how is that even going to end up matching up well with with him and Embiid there on the court? Well, and well
2: Dwight's going to be they're going to come in from going to come in for it or Joel. So when, when, when Joe, needs a break, we're going to see Dwight. We're never going to see them on the floor at the same time, but I love it that we were surrounded with shooters. Cause that's what we needed. A three point shooter. We had JJ Reddick. We let him go, but I get it. Defensive wise, JJ wasn't the best, but he can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, We drafted Maxie in the draft. I like it. Um, We got this other kid, uh, Isaiah Joe. He's going to be a good shooter for us. So Matisse um, Stiebel, once he gets his shooting together, He'll be fine, but he's good defensively. Uh, then we got Mike Scott still there. So we we got shooters, and I'm excited about the Sixers season to get me off the Eagles for once. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got something to look for it to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and yeah, I, I'm excited for the Sixers, and I think this is going to be a, an interesting season because that this was the adjustment they needed to have. No more size, no more of this, like, long length thing. You got to have shooters because that's what – that, that's what this league has turned into. It's turned into a big-time shooter's league, and you got to have somebody who's capable of shooting and making the threes in certain situations. And so I think this is going to be a better testament for Philly, and I'm hoping that this works out in the long run, especially with bringing in guys like Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey. This looks like it things are getting... Br- Things they're starting to see the sunlight in Philadelphia for once. That's what I, that's what I'm hoping for, you know, hoping it's going to be sunny up out there and hopefully the, the potential will be there. So one last thing I want to shift on to before letting you go. So you know how I feel about the Phillies and of course with the contract with, with Bryce Harper and so much more. So Philadelphia, just a couple of days, just about yesterday. They bring in a smart mind in Dave Dombrowski. And Dave Dombrowski, who has been known making interesting moves that has shifted and made teams better. He's did this with Detroit a couple years ago. He's did this with Boston. And Boston goes on to win a championship in 2018. Bringing in a mind like Dombrowski to Philadelphia, which you know, they're dealing with the struggles of because of what's going to happen now with JT Real Muto. Where's he going to end up going? Then, of course, they're shifting the bullpen, and they're also shifting the rotations and so much more. What was your re- initial reaction when you found out Dombrowski now is hired with the Phillies? Could this be a positive upside for Philadelphia, and could we actually see them compete in the NL East?
2: I hope, God, I hope so. Because he has a good resume, like you said, he has an awesome resume. Um, he's all about building teams, championship teams. So hopefully, he gets some, you know, good quality starters. Uh, the bullpen killed us. Like, oh my god, it, the bullpen absolutely sucked last year. Yeah. Um, and you know, losing the JT, maybe he can come in. Maybe he can persuade him. Hey, we give you this. Maybe because we actually need JT Romuto, and he's one of the best catchers in baseball. Besides. Mike Lieberthal and Carlos Ruiz, who we've had behind oh, man. there. I love all three. About, I
1: love all three of those guys. Don't right there. About,
2: and then of course Darren Dalton is the legendary catcher that the that the Phillies have had. Those three yeah. catchers, we haven't had anybody great or close to that since then. Since and we got JT Remuto. Are you gonna let him walk? Yeah. As far as DD uh, Gregorius, he was good. Um, shortstop but I don't know if he is coming back and some of these other role players. So I know we got Andrew McCutcheon. We got to get somebody to help Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper got to live up to that contract and just yes. start hitting. We couldn't hit nothing. Not I, I needed to go play for the Phillies because I maybe I could hit something, but I'm just like, come on. like This might be a rebuilding year. We got to do that, so be it. Got to ah. get the rotation together. Got to get the hitting together. Got to get the bullpen together. And I think we'll be fine since we do, did get him in the GM spot. So I'll, I'll take it.
1: Yeah. And especially, you know, and knowing Dabrowski and, and especially with the contracts he dealt with, because I know being in, in, in Detroit, I mean, he was responsible for the Johnny Peralta signing the, uh the Prince Fielder signing, and then yet still having Miguel Cabrera there in, in, in Detroit. So he's been responsible for so many of these different contracts and shifts, and, There had been times, and I'll be honest, there had been times where I felt like there were certain holes that needed to be filled. Like, with what happened in Detroit, they needed a second baseman. Second base was not living up to the expectation. They needed a left fielder, like Andy Dirks. Like, come on. They got to have somebody that's going to end up filling in the role in the lineup and is actually going to hit and bring in offense. But looking at Philadelphia with Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, um, Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon, They've got some real good players on their lineup from top to bottom. But all it all that's going to make it click is making sure that like it's it doesn't have to be the perfect lineup, but it has to be good enough to where the offense is going to thrive. And the offense is going to now start to put up more runs. You're hoping this will work. But um as far as the pitching staff goes, cuz I love Aaron Nola. I think the kid's got a lot of potential in him. But we haven't seen so much now. Jake Arietta. he's already in the tail end of his career. Do you think at some and then point we got, with and
2: then Green... we got Zach Wheeler as well? Yeah, so and... I'm just like, so that's you... three, three right there. I think they're good. They're good starting quality, mm-hmm. and then we just need the other two. You know, whoever we get. I sent you something earlier, well, a couple days ago, with you know trying to get your, one of your, one of your aces.
1: Oh Lord. Oh, so. Lord, Liam Hendricks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, they got to have something because they haven't had. And here's what's funny. They haven't had a legitimate closer. I hate to say this, and I'm sure you probably know exactly who I'm talking about, but probably since Jonathan Pabalbon. I know. And I used to love Brad I mean, Lidge. Don't
2: forget about I, Lidge. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was
1: going to say that. I loved Brad Lidge. I mean the guy that that closed out the 2008 World Series against Tampa like you know he he was a hell of a player especially coming out of Houston at one point and he actually was it was was bolstering up that uh that bullpen but looking at it from this way I mean if they bolster up a few bullpen pieces I mean they got to have a a really good setup guy I don't know anybody there in that bullpen that I think could be capable of eight or seven or eight inning uh potential situations But that's where I feel like they have to shape up this bullpen. But, you know, if if they work this out right now, if they go and get an offensive bat, unless they work out the trade, because right now there's a bunch of rumors being tossed around between Francisco Lindor and a bunch of other. Do you think if if they, if it comes down to the point, you think they might try to take a shot at Francisco Lindor to fill in the the shortstop position?
2: I would. Why not? Like you, we're trying to, The whole thing about having a team is to build championship team. You don't want to play each season and be in the basement or go to the playoffs. Oh, I should have, could have did this. Your ultimate goal as athletes is to win a championship. And why not build a championship team? Philadelphia, I mean, hasn't been deprived of the championship. I mean, the latest one was the the, uh, Eagles in 2017. The last time the Phillies had one was 2008. So it's not like we're like, Drought it without a championship, but of course, you build the you play the game to win a championship. And I think you need to pull the trigger on these guys and stop being scared. You want to win, we gotta win. Philly is a good market, we're not one of these small markets. You think of Philly, you we we got history. You know, the yeah. fans might you might think of the fans as brutal, we're not brutal. We just want some effort. That's all we want is effort. Oh, yeah. You show us effort, you're fine. The minute you screw up, you're gonna hear it.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And and there, and there's, there, there comes a time where there has to be a level in a sense of accountability. And I, I totally agree. And you know, it's kind of interesting pulling my last point because baseball's become so analytical and statistical that we forget at times that I just wish they'd go back to where the manager controls the lineup, a manager who controls the situation. Think of it. We watch the NFL all the time. It's always been a coach's league. Because we've watched Belichick, we've watched Sean McVay, we've watched Sean McDermott, we've watched Sean Payton, and um, you know we've watched a lot of coaches. And it's like a game of chess. You're trying to play the best moves possible to defeat your opponent and win the game. Do you feel like at this point with the analytics and statistics part, is that kind of hurting the chances with the manager of really kind of retaining a control? And do you believe the manager's... Should they should go back to make to having managers control and retain to winning majority outcomes of their games?
2: That's what a manager is for, mm-hmm. so in the definition. Yep. They run a team. They control who's in the lineup, who's not. They who wants to play, who can play, who's thinking it up, who's not, who's hot. They have to control all that. I'm tired of owners and GMs and everybody trying to get in the middle. Y'all are the owners. Y'all sit in the press box and watch the team. If you don't like it, then you have the the right to fire a GM or fire a manager if they're not getting the job done. All right. Let's take that. Let's switch it over to Jerry Jones. He needs to just stay in the box. He's not a GM. He's not a coach. He don't know what he's doing over there in Dallas.
1: But yeah, now we're example, hearing him talk about other teams. It's like, ugh.
2: Prime example: take the Yankees and George Steinbrenner. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of a owner. Oh took yeah, took accountability of his players, his coaches, the staff, everything. If he didn't like it, you had you hit the brakes. Mm-hmm. So, and then you had Joe, you know, Girardi, who is now, you know, over here with us. Um, and then you had others. So, you know.
1: Oh man, yeah. I used to I used to love it. Like when it was back in the in the Steinbrenner years, and when you had Joe Torrey, one of the best managers in baseball, like. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. They, they, those were guys that kept everybody accountable, you know, and and that's where, um, that I mean, that's just where to me, yeah, everybody, everybody has to hold themselves accountable, and it just makes it feel like with Jerry Jones, he's not holding himself accountable for some of the things that's been happening in Dallas lately. Exactly. Like so, just let.
2: The coach just let the managers manage baseball. Same thing with NFL. Look at Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. He co he head coaches. He has an offensive coordinator. He has a defensive coordinator. He don't like something. He can switch it. But the simple fact is, don't leave the coaches accountable for everything. GM. Why do they have those duties? You're a head coach. You're not a GM. You're not this. Do the head coaching job and just stick to one.
1: Yep. No, absolutely. And so. Yeah. And I mean, I will tell you this though, key. I mean, it's so funny how you mentioned about the, you know, the catchers because, you know, years ago, actually, um, my, my real dad, my biological father, he was actually scouted, uh, by Mike, Mike Lieberthal's dad. And his dad was actually one of the scouts. That's what got him through, um, citrus college. That's what got him to, you know, a bunch of places like, you know, the giants, the, the Braves, and a bun- and the Dodgers at one point, and it had only played, in, you know, only minor league play. Um, but I do remember watching those years of watching Mike Lieberthal growing up and playing, you know, playing his position. And yeah, he's definitely one of the best Philadelphia catchers that they've had. So hopefully, they'll retain JT Realmuto at some point. Hopefully, this is a boost, and maybe we'll see a flip. Fl- we'll see a flip side for uh, for the Phillies coming up. So. All righty well, I really do appreciate you coming on. Thank goodness. We were able to get you up on here on the show. Uh, finally. Yeah. Fine. Finally. <laughs> uh, but uh, hopefully good luck to the Eagles. Hopefully, you know, at some point we'll, hopefully we'll see what Jalen hurts can do. I'm kind of excited about this again. I feel for Carson Wentz, but at the same time, hopefully this is new juice for, for the Eagles and maybe there'll be a positive flip side for them. So we'll just see what happens with, what tomorrow brings so all righty key take care and uh i'll definitely see you tomorrow for sure for the uh for the morning show
2: oh yeah i'll I'll be in the building as always y'all know
1: (laughs) all righty key take care all righty so that's where you have key in the building uh definitely check out her content there philadelphia sixers flyers um phillies and even the philadelphia eagles great great content stuff so i'm going to take a short break from here but when i come back it's the best it's the best time of the hour it's prime predictions of week 14 so you guys do not want to end up missing that here on the snake sports talk show Once a Raider, Raider always Raider, a
0: Raider, 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 Shit, simple as that, you look silver and black Lot of bread invested in that O-line a- C- C- cost all C- in a... Welcome to the My City, My Game pod show featuring Raider j 77 Your place for all things Raiders and all things Trailblazers Brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the bell for notifications Now let's go
1: All righty, guys. Well, first and foremost, I really do appreciate you guys all hopping on here into today's live stream. We really do appreciate it, you guys, and hope all of you guys have a great weekend and have a great week ahead. We are in the final week before we head into Christmas and, of course, the New Year's week. And so it's going to be a lot of fun stuff. Now, on the Friday, um, we've got Christmas Day. On Thursday as well, we've also got Christmas Eve. I will not have a show on Thursday, Christmas Eve. Um, figured spending time with family, so much more. But I hope all of you guys have a great Christmas from there. Uh, but we will get to that once the up-and-coming week comes up. But hope you guys have a great week ahead. And we're almost there. We are almost there to the last bit of the year. So... I can't wait for it. So, of course, on the show, and I always love doing this all the time, so we've got Week 14th Prime Predictions. Now, this, the, the, the past couple of weeks have actually been pretty decent. They haven't been great. They've been pretty decent, but I've really been impressed with some of the matchups. Now, of course, the takeaway, I did say this, that... Washington Washington was going to end up putting up a fight against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh right now, they the run game is not great with them. The run game has been absolutely horrible with them. And they're kind of showing off their true colors right now. And so it's unfortunate with how Pittsburgh has been playing in these last couple of weeks. I mean, they're playing – they are playing – uh they're playing Buffalo and Buffalo is just going to boat race them. Josh Allen has been playing really, really good these last couple of weeks. They've figured out the deep ball threat. They've got Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen's having MVP caliber numbers. And I, 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 Buffalo is another team that I think is going to be a playoff threat in the AFC you know, in the way that he's been playing. The defense has been playing a little better, But the only thing is they cannot be pressurized. The majority of the time they got to keep things clean. And, uh, and hopefully we'll see, we'll see that happen. Hopefully it'll be, it'll be a better, you know, it'll be a better outcome for them because they needed that. They needed the time to where they got the experience out with being in the playoffs so hopefully we'll see a better outcome out of josh allen in the playoffs i'm excited for it just as much as everybody else is at this point but let's just see what he can do from here that's there's a lot of great matchups even the monday night with the ravens and the browns so just giving me a second here we're setting all of this up before we have prime predictions i can't wait for it and Okay, got two more from here, but yeah, I'm excited for these matchups guys. and it really is like this is this is the this is the time of year where nobody has to play below their expectations. everybody's healthy, everybody is ready to go, so they have to win out all their games. They gotta play tough. they gotta play efficient. You'll see teams that some of them, They're not playing as efficient as they should be. And then there are some that are actually living up to the expectation where, oh, this team might actually be really, really good. So so it'll be interesting to see with some teams because right now the Giants, Browns, the Bills, the Rams, there's a bunch of teams that are heating up at the right time. And each of them, they're all playing to the best of their extent. I mean, Cleveland was coming off of a... They were coming off of what looked to be a playoff game. That was a playoff game atmosphere. And if I get more of that out of Baker Mayfield, I think Cleveland would be right there in the driver's seat because they've been, they've been running this thing really, really good with them. So, all right, guys. So without further ado, I will be having my, uh, I'll be having my prime predictions here as we get ready for week 14. So here we go. All right. So the first game that we've got, of course, is the Texans at the Bears. And right now, the Bears, they're looking like an absolute mess. So right now, it's just not looking good for the Texans or for the bears at this point. And they realized injury after injury, it hasn't worked out well with them. And not to mention Mitch Trubisky. He's just not efficient. This has been one of the biggest problems for him. So I'm going with the Texans at minus two. I think Deshaun Watson has been playing better football. And I think at this point he's been put utilizing the game, putting it the game in his hands. So I'm going with the Houston Texans 27, 23, 23, I think they're going to get it done on the road in Chicago, but just right now, Chicago's just looking like a mess. All right, Dallas is on the road to Cincinnati. I'm not sure how I feel about this game in particular, but I am going with the Dallas Cowboys at minus three. Say what you want to. Yes, it's going to be be quite a game. It'll be interesting. I think it's just going to be a mess from here, but... um, But I think Dallas can get this done. I think their offense is going to end up being better than where they were before. And I think... Because right now, the Bengals, things aren't just looking right for them. They've suffered big-time injuries. And at this point, they're putting putting this season behind them and hoping next year is going to be better. That's when they'll get Joe Burrow back. So I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. 27-17 is going to be my final score. I think Dallas, you're going to see more of... You're going to see more of CeeDee Lamb making plays, and hopefully we'll see Zeke actually be better than where he was last week. All right, so I was very skeptical about this game, but after I've seen a couple of statistics lately, I'm actually kind of confident in the Miami Dolphins. I think this will be my upset of the week. Miami plus seven. That's who I'm going with here in this game. I think Miami can definitely get it done against this Kansas City offense for one. Now, remember, Kansas City we know is unbelievable. They've got great players. Travis Kelsey. Um, they got Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. They got everything. But the problem with the, with the Chiefs this week, they have not been efficient on red zone offense lately. That's kind of pinpointing questions uh, around. So right now, I, I, I'm i going with the Dolphins. I think with right now, Brian Flores and the way that this defense has been playing with the last couple of weeks, Brian Flores has been working the defense tremendously. And with a red zone offense that's been struggling to scoring in red zone opportunities, I think you got to go with the defense that knows how to shut it down. So I'm going with Miami on an upset this week, 27-20 against Kansas City. I think this is going to be a heck of a game. Well, the Giants are very much heating up, guys, and I'm still going with the New York Giants. And by the way, here's a positive upside for the Giants. Daniel Jones is coming back. They're going to get their starting quarterback back. And I think once he gets rid of, getting like coughing up the football very easily. I think this team's going to be much, much better. The defense is already strengthening up at its best consent. And by the way, Kyler Murray, I love the kid, but he's been in a hole and he's been struggling lately. And I know that, and I, and this is what I pointed out. The offensive line is still not healthy and it's still not right for Arizona. It's just not been looking at their absolute best, no matter who's at quarterback, whether it is Josh Rosen or, or if it is, um, or if it was Kyler Murray. This offensive line has got to reshape. So I think, I truly think the Giants are going to pull this off, 23-20 to 20 at home, Daniel Jones' return, and I think the Giants are going to end up improving at 6-7. and seven. All right, so the Buccaneers at home against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going with Tampa Bay at minus 7 because this defense with Todd Bowles has been working very, very well, and it's just going to cause Kirk uh, Kirk Cousins a lot of problems. They are going to cause him a lot of problems. Listen, Kirk Cousins, he could be efficient at times, but in big games like this against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, listen, say what you will about the Bruce Arians and Tom Brady thing. Tom Brady's had efficient numbers. He's going to make plays happen, but they got to get rid of this. No risk it. No biscuit crap. They've got to get rid of it because that's not what Tom Brady's about. Tom Brady's a surgeon. He's not a guy that's willing to be going up for big plays, but he does have wide receivers and he does have playmakers. So I think Tampa Bay in the defense is going to shut down Minnesota. I don't think Dalvin cook is going to be that efficient, especially with that run defense. They have, I think it's going to cause them a lot of problems. And I think they're going to be big time shut down. I think Tampa's going to win this game 28 to 27 and a minus seven. That's going to be good enough for me. So, Broncos are on the road to Carolina. And the Broncos, listen, they didn't look as great against Kansas City as people think. Drew Locke is not locked in, no pun intended. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers, and I think the Panthers, they're going to rebound back. They're going to look much, much better, especially being at home in a minus three. Um, I've been seeing a couple of stints with, with where they've been sitting at, and I think it's been very, very well for Carolina. So the defense also, Jeremy Chin, I love that kid. I think he's developed very, very well with the, uh, with, with the defense. And this young defense, what's being built up for Matt Rule, they're going to lo- I'm I'm loving this right now. Carolina as I've said before, they're the best worst team in the NFL and there's a lot of potentials for them. I'm going with Carolina minus 3. 28 to 20 is going to be my final score against Denver at home. All right, can I say that this next game here is a complete side between the Titans and the Jaguars? Jaguars, I already know, they're, they're, they're basically tanking at this point. They're going to try to go and get either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. But the Titans right now, they, this is a rebounding game. This is actually going to be a much better game for them to really kind of reshape and refocus after the loss against uh, Cleveland. They got to get themselves back. They got to get their mentalities straightened up. And I think they can do this. They can do it against Jacksonville. This is an easy pass for them. I'm going to go with the Titans, 33 to 20, minus seven and a half. That's all the points I need. But this is going to be huge. So, all right, this I feel like could potentially be one of the games of the week. I look at the Colts and the Raiders. The Colts right now they have a, a they're number five in their defense, so they they've they've had a couple of mishaps happen on their defensive and offensive side but the raiders in the last 2 weeks this is what's been a problem they dropped and they they laid an egg against atlanta which that was terrible but at the same time they let 28 points by them against the jets last week i was not happy with how that happened and it's been It's been kind of the concern with the Raiders. I hope they straighten things up. I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts in this one because I feel like the defense is going to cause problems for Derek Carr. And they have got to be more efficient than where they were last week. So I'm going with the Colts, minus three. I think my final score in Vegas is going to be 27-21. Alright, in another lopsided game, I've got the Seahawks against the Jets at home and it's a minus 13. I, You know I'm going with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Now, they need a bounce-back game after losing to the Giants. Um, and this is an opportunity where they need to figure out their pass rush. They need to get everybody on the same page. The time where the playoffs are right around the corner, the, the Seahawks need to rebound themselves. They've got the offense to do it, but after last week's performance against the Giants, the Giants was walking all over that offensive line. So I think Seattle is going to make it happen. But I think the deep the defensive side, they've got to be much, they got to be much better pinned up I- I- at this point. 35 to 13 is going to be my final score against the Seahawks, uh, against the Jets. I think the Seahawks are very much going to boat race them. All right, Packers are on the road in Detroit at taking on the Lions. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers at eight and a half. This is one that I'm like, you know, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and facing against his in-division opponents, I mean, Detroit Lions, forget about it. They already lost uh, Matt Patricia and their general manager, so they're already moving on. They're already kind of packing up. I'm going with the Packers here, um, but the defense has got to get better. The defense... They're not physical. They've never been a physical type of defense. They've lost a couple of linebackers already, and the play has just been kind of sloppy. That's why you got to give kudos to Aaron Rodgers every time because he's putting up 30-plus points in each of the games, and I think he's going to do it yet again. So I'm going with Green Bay's score 33-21. to 21. They'll beat Detroit on the road. All right, so the Saints at the Eagles. Now, mind you, the Eagles are starting Jalen Hurts. We had Key in the building on here earlier, and I think it'll be very interesting to watch to see, but I'm going with the New Orleans Saints at minus 7.5. Right now, this is the last week from what I'm seeing. This could be the last week we might see Taysom Hill be a starter, but who knows? I'm going with the Saints. I think that their offense has been playing a little bit better um but last week against atlanta it was kind of interesting seeing how has everything played out but new orleans i think their future might very much be in good hands but only time will tell let's see how Taysom hill plays in this game against philadelphia because philadelphia this is a must win for them and they've got to get juice in the building right now carson wentz is sitting as the most expensive bench player right now, this there's a lot of things that are happening in Philadelphia. So they need a win. They need juice. 28-20 is my final score. New Orleans wins it here on the road. Washington has been playing some good football, and I mean that more on the defensive side. I'm taking the Washington football team against the 49ers. Plus three is the points I'm swallowing here. Because Washington last week against Pittsburgh stopped them on their run, stopped them on the pass, and I think this team has really shaped themselves up to where the defense, it's going to be promising for the near future. I think Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio has really shaped this defense up well. I mean, last week, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, John Bostic, and a bunch of really good defensive players, this has been good. I'm going with the Washington football team plus three. It's going to cause Nick Mullins a lot of problems in the offensive, on the offensive side for San Francisco. Even though they've got good playmakers, it's not going to be enough against that defense. They're going to push them all around. 27-24, three points. Can't go wrong with that. I like it. All right, so the, of course this is a game that, you know... Gotta end up going somewhere, but the Falcons at the Chargers here, and we know that last week it was an embarrassing game for the Chargers. The Chargers are playing pissed off. They understand that this year, I mean, let's let's just think about this. They're playing now. They are playing with at their record at 3-9, but they're seventh in offense and they're ninth in defense. This team has This is where you have to hold somebody else accountable at this point because it's not the players, it's not the players. If those statistics and those numbers are saying it and they are proving it, you know it's more of conservative coaching. I'm going with the Chargers because I think with them being played as underdogs at home, that should boil the that that should be a boiler for them. That's got to piss them off. So I feel like the Chargers are definitely going to beat the Falcons. Mind you, the Falcons are without Julio Jones this week. So they're going to cause other guys problems like Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley. They've got some real good playmakers there to stop them on the pass play. I'm going with the Chargers. Plus two and a half, rounding it up to three. 27-24 is my final score. The Chargers win it at home. They need to make this up after an embarrassing game. All right, so this is the game that I feel like the Steelers right now, they are going to hate it when they face Buffalo in Buffalo. And I'm going with the Buffalo Bills at minus two. The Steelers last week, they looked bad. The last couple of weeks, the run has not been the same. By the way, the, the offense on the passing, they lead the league in drop passes. Crazy, isn't it? I know. And they've got the young rookie, Chase Claypool, who I really like for Pittsburgh. But they are too Roethlisberger-reliant because right now he's throwing 50 times a game. And this is where they're leaning on him to be the playmaker. It shouldn't even be that way. They have a bunch of playmakers. You look at some of the other quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and so many others. They were not so dependent on him. But right now, with what I look at with the Bills last week against San Francisco, Josh Allen put up Mahomes-like numbers. Four touchdowns, no picks, and he threw for almost over 400 yards. I mean, the kid's ridiculous. So I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. I feel like this offense is going to be a huge problem for Pittsburgh because here's the thing. No Devin Bush, no Bud Dupree. I'm not sure what the status is for Joe Hayden, but they're going to have their hands full. And Pittsburgh's offense, good luck against that Buffalo defense because after last week's performance against Washington, you're kind of shook up at this point. 30 to 23, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills beating Pittsburgh at home. So, finally it brings up the Monday Night Football game and that is the Raider the Ravens at the Browns. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns at +2. People are going to think, "What? That's crazy. You're betting against Lamar Jackson?" And but here's the thing. Last week for the Ravens, they needed that win. They're playing against a, a washed-up Dallas team that just It's all Jerry's world from here. But Cleveland's coming off of a massive win against against Tennessee. They were running the football well. The defense, I think, they need to shape up much better. I think that that that, because the defense played really, really good, at least in the first half. If I get the same first half of football on defensive side for Cleveland in this game, Lamar Jackson's going to have a bunch of problems. He doesn't have an over-the-top receiver. He's too Mark Andrews reliant when it comes to passing, and that's what's going to be the problem. So I feel like the Browns are going to shut down Lamar Jackson any way they can. They have to shut down the run. That's the one thing that they have to shape up. Shut down the run, force them to throw, force them to make mistakes. But I feel like Cleveland, they're going to pound through this defense any way that they can. I'm going with a 23-21 game. It's not going to be high scoring, guys. This is going to be a tough game where it's going to be back and forth. But I do think the Browns the Browns right now, this is a, because it's a statement game for Baltimore. They are trying to make the playoffs. But Cleveland with the way that they're playing, they want to they want to kill the hopes for the Baltimore Ravens. So, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns 23-21 plus 2. I love it. All righty, folks. So that's my prime predictions this week, and so I've I've got a bunch of them. I really do like how this week has been set up because I think at this point there are teams you know that their identities, and you kind of know exactly how they're shaped up. So I'm going with the favored Texans, the favored Cowboys, the underdog Dolphins, underdog Giants, favored Bucks, favored Panthers, favored Titans, favored. Colts, favored uh, Seahawks, favored Packers, favored Saints, underdog Washington, underdog Chargers, favored Buffalo, and then finally the underdog dog pound themselves, the Cleveland Browns. I think it's going to be very interesting. This week is just going to be very interesting, but I think we realize what some teams' identities are and what they're going to be in the next couple of weeks because then that's three games left of the season and that's where they all got to get prepped up and prepared for what um for the playoffs. So I really do think this uh, th- this week is going to be very interesting. I'm excited for these picks. So all right you guys, that's going to do it for me here on the Snake Sports Talk show. Take care. Have a great night. Have a great weekend and have a great week ahead and we will see you guys actually on Monday night. We got a new time, we got a new date. Monday Wednesday and Thursday it's going to be a lot of fun guys. I cannot wait to be on uh, the we're trying to flood this channel up man and we're definitely trying to get more and more subscribers every single ta- every single day all sorts. But can't wait to end up seeing you guys tomorrow morning for the morning show of the Spotlight Sports Network where we have all of our picks. It's going to be a lot of fun. I love uh, you know I love doing stuff like this. So take care you guys. Have a good night.